Hi, and welcome to the She's a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Louise, and this podcast is going to be brought to you every single week. If you're a Christian and you're looking for some great community, then we hope that this podcast makes you feel like you've nipped round to your pal's house for a cup of tea and a chinwag, and that you go away feeling even more excited and more aware of God's goodness, his love for you and his protection over you. If you aren't a Christian or you know some Christians, but they're a bit weird, maybe you're not even sure that God exists, maybe you're seeking, then this is a great place for you too. Come along, tune in, and we hope that you go away feeling encouraged and uplifted, hearing testimonies of goodness from people from all walks of life. Tune in, I don't really know what I'm doing, but does anyone, and let's do this together. Hi, and welcome on to season one, episode seven of the She's a Christian podcast. There's not been an episode for a few weeks now, and it's really lovely to be back recording in my little wardrobe today. And I don't have a guest on with me. It's just myself. And when I started these podcasts, that is something that early on I was told by the person who's helping me kind of get them out there that every once in a while I should do it where it's just me. And that brought some hesitation and embarrassment and a bit of, I don't, I, I found the concept of sitting chatting just me and not being able to bounce off anyone for half an hour, 40 minutes, quite awkward. Um, I didn't really know what I would talk about. Um, however, after chatting this week to various people about the topic I'm going to talk about today, I decided it would be relevant and short and sweet and timely to talk about this particular podcast in today's episode, and that is navigating the Christmas season and navigating it well. So you would have to be living under a rock to not notice that the Christmas creep, as I like to call it, is starting earlier and earlier. Now last week I spoke a little bit about Black Friday in my newsletter and how as a Christian business owner I kind of, you know, had to sit down and think about how I navigated that shopping spending season with integrity and in a way that lined up with my values. And I mentioned that I, you know, I believe we are, not me, but the the, the message of consumption and never having enough and more, more, more on, and you know, an infinite need for stuff on a finite planet is something that concerns me as a consumer and a business owner but also this you know we see there there's goods coming to the market so fast and cheap and I know that the thing that supports cheap prices is ultimately cheap labor so again coming off the back of Black Friday and this environment where businesses and algorithms are all designed to take money off you and make you think that you need more we then go into this season of hurriedness and I know particularly as a woman it's easy to get down that rabbit hole of buying into the concept of jamming everything into your Christmas diary and doing it well and doing it perfect and tying the pretty season up in a bowl and that has robbed me of so much potential joy I think over various Christmases particularly once I'd grown up and put on my big girl panties and got a husband and kids and a house and um, started being someone who contributed to Christmas as opposed to schlepping along to the living room and opening my stocking on a Christmas morning. The joy of this season 
has, um, I think, been eroded a little bit because of my attitude to this season. And particularly when my kids are little, I want to get that back in full because they won't be little forever. And if anyone listening to this has children, you'll know that children bring an element of magic to things because everything is wonderful. Everything is brilliant. And it's so lovely to see not just Christmas, but the world in general through their lens. But I do see that there's a Christmas creep happening. Shops are bringing out their Christmas stock earlier and earlier. You know, we have this whole Halloween, if you celebrate it, I personally don't, slash autumn, Thanksgiving kind of orange pumpkin season, if you like, as they start to disappear from the shelves. Straight off the back of that, we are even more heavily bombarded with the Christmas songs going through all the supermarkets, the you know, the buy now, pay later mentality of, again, having more and more. And this festive season just being taken over by a Christmas creep, which if you're not, if we're not careful, I think can lead to anxiety and financial stress and just actual stress. And I was talking to someone in the playground where I have most of my adult conversations and she said to me rather than feeling really excited every time I see a Christmas advert I feel this nervousness creep in and I think it's because there's this pressure isn't there for everything to be perfect we see it on the Marks and Spencer's adverts and the Tesco adverts and there's all these happy people sitting around a table tucking into their big turkeys with their Christmas jumpers on and like they're nailing Christmas day And there's this subconscious belief that everyone needs to be happy. They need to love the gifts they're given. They need to be totally bowled over by them. And that, you know, that money just needs to stretch. So it's no wonder that people from all walks of life are feeling this nervousness and anxiety creep in. What should be a really beautiful and and peaceful time, actually. Christmas is always going to be more expensive. That's just the nature of it. There's more mouths to feed. There's more people gathered around a table. And those expenses are ones that are are, are meant to be ones that are, are, are joyful. But there's just even more financial pressure on people these days with the rising cost of living. And I just know that so many people have less money to spend. So going to the shops and seeing that Christmas creep come in from October onwards and all the Christmas lines coming out on display, it must trigger a huge amount of stress and guilt and low-level anxiety. And that is the opposite of what Christmas is. And actually, that's the opposite of what Christ came to do at Christmas. I think as well that in addition to the creep of Christmas season, many people feel inadequate. People worry about preparing for Christmas, whatever that means. And they feel like they're maybe already lagging behind. We hear it all the time in chats about, I've got all my presents bought and wrapped up, or I'm totally prepared for Christmas. Um, you know, or, you know, I had all this planned like six months, or I'm, I'm ahead of this made up schedule that people like to make up in their heads. It's just this wild, bizarre time. And I think the festive period and the emphasis on family must be very, very difficult for people who either have a family that doesn't get on well 
or navigating blended families or who have lost loved ones. And I think that as Christians, we need to stop and accept without guilt, without shame, without condemnation, that maybe Christmas can be a really challenging time. And if you're sitting to this, listening to this, nodding along, thinking, oh yeah, that's how I feel, then it's okay to just be honest with yourself. Particularly as a Christian, I think that we think if Christmas isn't this start to finish joyful marathon of love, then we've got it wrong. You're a human, right? You you have a fleshly side and society will always try and suck you in to, you know, mindsets and holes of stress. And it's okay to be honest with yourself. That's the first step, the 12-step Christmas recovery program and accepting the reality of the situation. And that might be that right now, some elements of this season give you anxiety and stress and I'm going to help you through this episode today put a stop to that and not add any additional pressure to it. So a little bit of background about me is that I assign a word to each year and that is something I started doing maybe four or five years ago. My word for this year incidentally is FUN, capital F-U-N, And that's not what we're here to talk about today. But my word for 2022 was the word no. Big fat N-O full stop with no explanation after it. Just the word no. And off the back of no, having a no year, I was able to go into having a fun year because I stopped saying no to stuff I didn't want to do. I stopped people pleasing and I was able to see what you know, gave me joy, what gave me rest and actually take away all the stuff that was sucking the fun and the joy out of life and saying no to it and leaving room for stuff that is fun. So I'm glad to say that 2023 has been a year of, at the start, deliberate fun, but now just this natural kind of fun feel. But my year of no was off the back of feeling that my chronic people-pleasing and saying yes to stuff, you know, just without any thought, had led me to this place of absolute mental cognitive (laughs) burnout, I want to say. Quite an extreme word, but we're going to just roll with that anyway. Christmas, the season, is an absolute, you know, hotbed opportunity for people pleasing and I used to do this massively and that's exactly what got me to the place where I felt like Christmas was very stressy and got me to the place of saying I'm going to go into 2023 and say no and um, I told everyone that that was my word for the year like just a heads up my word is no don't take it personally but it's a no it's a no from me so what is people pleasing and what do I mean when I say I was doing that and how does it possibly relate to or link into this episode? So I'm just going to put this from a Christian perspective because that is what this episode is all about after all. I do think that as Christians we have this subconscious belief because you know we, we look at Jesus in his perfection and we want to be more and more like Jesus. That's the sanctification process. He's our savior. He is a, a, a perfect life, a life well lived. He is someone that we look to to become more Christ-like right but on the other side of the coin I think it's also very easy for us to have a high 
level of condemnation and shame on ourselves and a real awareness of where we fall short, a huge sin consciousness. And as a Christian, I always had this underlying kind of unsaid belief that if if we don't bleed ourselves dry for people, say yes to everything and give in to the pressure of commitments that other people put on you, then we're not being a good human. But actually, that is just toxic people. That can fall into toxic people pleasing. So what is a people pleaser? It's not actually a medical diagnosis. Maybe it should be. It's not even a psychologist term. But a person who has a strong desire to please other people, even if it comes at the expense of your peace, family, joy, ethics, morals, so on and so forth. So if you spend the entire festive season bending yourself into knots, navigating Christmas to be spat out the other side into January, and you're just absolutely done in, you're like, what the heck was that? Like, What on earth was I just hit in the face by? Then no more. Reclaim your Christmas. <laughs> Everyone is a people pleaser to some extent, unless you're a narcissist or you have some sort of neurological condition where you have got no capacity to think of anyone else but yourself. We all people please all of us and it's necessary on some level life is made up of relationships those are in order for them to be successful it's it's a it's a give and take we live in a community in order for communities to function well it's a give and take we go out of our way for people for the good of others we should be people who have the capacity to be inconvenienced my sister and I Paula if you're listening we talk about um wanting to be high capacity people that are able to go in and out of the red zone so Paul and I are constantly um sharing childcare and our, our kiddies swim together and um go to lessons together and we we talk about like right if we drop him off and you take her to swimming and then you do you you look background and can you get this for me and I'll get this for you and it's the ability to enter into the frantic red zone and recognize that it's it's actually good to be inconvenienced for the good of others and help and you will you will maybe get that back one day and that I think that's how a family exists right if you're a good participant in your family you will go out of your way for others to help others because you love them you love your friends and family you want to put them before you and you know at times and and, and make sure that everyone around you is is loved and supported and, and life is going well for them. So I do think that there is an element of being that good pal, that good family member who's willing to enter into the craziness of the red zone and be a bit more of a high capacity person when it comes to stress in order to help others. Okay, that's one thing. But People pleasing is a problem if you start doing it by default, if you do it to the point where you feel like a doormat and you no longer have a sense of who you are and what you want and what gives you rest and what's on the priority list and what's on your capture list and what needs done. And, you know, if, if you drop the ball on this, then what the ripple effect of that will lead to. If you're just running around like a blue arsed fly, people pleasing and being so obsessed by people's opinion of you. Um, and being that person that's like, I'll do it, I'll do it, then it's an issue. So how can we navigate Christmas well and restful and get the focus back on Jesus if, like me, you were spat out feeling like, what the heck was that? I am working at full capacity, I'm running on empty, and something has got to give. 
or I'll do away with the hassle of you having to have a no year. <laughs> you can go straight to a fun year. Maybe your word for 2024 is fun. But I'm going to just give you some things or some Christmas hacks that have really worked for me over the years. And again, just to go into this, this is really off the back of what reminded me to do this episode was, you know, just being in places that are busy, whether it's a shopping mall or Tesco checkout or the playground or even in church and hearing things like I can't believe it's three Mondays till Christmas oh my goodness that's scary I've got to get ready and I was I was actually saying to my mum last night do you not find it weird when people say things like oh my goodness don't remind me it's such and such till Christmas like it sounds like it's scary and when people say things like gosh three weeks to get ready I'm thinking in my head ready for what when the clock chimes midnight on the 25th of January like what are you getting ready for that moment when everyone's sitting around the table that moment when you you open a gift the moment when the turkey lands on the plate in the middle of the table like what exactly are you waiting for like what do you mean there's only three Mondays till Christmas like I'm totally confused about does someone hit a giant gong and then like the moment's there and you better be prepared and if you're not then what next so it just reminded me, gosh, I'll maybe just go and do a wee episode about how I came out of that mindset and how I have somewhat reclaimed Christmas. So what happened the year before, oh, at the end of the year prior to me choosing the word no? It had been crazy times and right before I chose the word no <laughs> as my year, as my word for the year, we went to Tenerife for Christmas so quite a hard reset not suggesting anyone does that but we went for the entire run up to Christmas we went for 15 days and we came back 48 hours before Christmas so slight stress thinking please jet two, do not start cancelling flights but it was so much fun I can't even explain to you how much fun it was to come back 48 hours before Christmas Day. We got straight into the jammies. My husband's annual leave was here. I'd clocked off for um, a couple weeks holiday from work. There was no parties. We relaxed. We snuggled down with our family. And I remember standing at a church service vividly and thinking, it was 2019 actually, and thinking, this is Christmas. I'm not thinking about dinner. I'm not thinking about gifts. I'm not thinking about going to catch up with someone I've not seen in 17 years over, you know, in a freezing cold cafe in town because you said you would, this is Christmas. Like right here, right now, feeling that internal sparkliness and joy, standing beside your loved ones. It wasn't about what was in the stockings. It wasn't about what we're going to eat on Christmas day. Like personally don't care. It wasn't about any of that. It was about standing there, singing your Christmas carols, holding my kids' hands. That moment if I could bottle it was Christmas and it was interesting to me because I'd actually completely eliminated because I was sitting on my backside in Tenerife reading a book the entire festivities surrounding Christmas day and that led me into the year of saying no and I'm going to talk to you about some stuff that I said no to and it's in list format so this has worked for me eat the fruit, spit out the seeds with everything you hear in life. But this is what's worked for me. Number one, your kids don't need to go to more than one Christmas party. Choose one, nursery, church, 
playgroup neighbours. Choose one. They're all the same. Literally, they're all, they are pretty much all the same. Just choose one. So my wee girl goes to one particular nursery on a Tuesday and her nursery Christmas parties were happening on the Thursday. And when she was invited, remember I'm the gatekeeper of her life. She's only three. I was like, oh, thanks. But no, thanks. I'm not getting in my car. I'm not going out my way. I'm not driving on an hour's round trip to take her to a Christmas party that she doesn't even know exists. Like, let's get real. When you're three years old, fun is fun, right? She would have as much fun with me sitting, painting her nails, watching Bluey on the TV and eating a brownie. So no, do not feel the guilt. Drop it right now. Send them to a token Christmas party. Dress them up cute. Off they go. Number two, edit the Christmas timetable. So in my year of no, I didn't, I don't think I even read invites. I was like, oh, no. And one of my things about um, saying no was I never gave a follow-up excuse, ever. It wasn't, oh, no, I don't have babysitter. Oh, no, I've got double plans. It was no. And as the year went on, I became more and more comfortable with actually following up by saying, this sounds brilliant, but I won't be there because it's actually not a priority. I remember thinking, hmm, sit with that, Louise, see how that feels. And actually... What I got back from friends was, I totally get that. Good for you for making that decision. Actually, yeah, it's made me think I might not go either because it's not a priority either. Like, it's just not so many things that I was asked of that no year to go to were just not a priority for me. My priority in that year were my family, my loved ones and rest. Resting in the finished work of Jesus and no longer scurrying around being a people pleaser I really had to reclaim rest and the office Christmas party was so far down my list of priorities it wasn't even funny to even make it onto it so it was just a straight up no and I began to get more and more confident as the year went on saying no and I'm so sorry that sounds wonderful and I hope you all have a good time because I did but it's actually not a priority for me. And when you position yourself as someone that is strong and stands and knows your priorities, you might not be liked, that's fine, but you'll be respected. So just get your no on and do not follow up with any form of excuse. Nobody needs to hear your excuse and you don't owe anyone a single thing. So don't worry. But I just want to quickly share with you um, there's a website called patient.info. They do some really good surveys. And there was a survey that took place in, I believe, 2021. And they surveyed 3,228 readers. And they said, give your top reasons for declining or wanting to decline an invite. This was the real reason when they got an invite for something at Christmas. The number one reason that people gave for wanting to decline an invite was that it may cause social anxiety. The number two was that they expected that once they got there, they wouldn't have much fun. Number three, it was the cost of attending the event. Number four, it was too exhausting. They were tired, they were sleep deprived, and you know they were just gonna be exhausted by the time they got home. And number five was that they were embarrassed about their appearance. Interestingly enough, there was a follow-on part two to this with the same group of people and they were asked, what were your top excuses for declining an invitation? So regardless of the reason that you didn't want to go to the Christmas party, what were the top 
excuses that you gave. 38% just gave a simple sorry, I won't be around. Something I used to use all the time. Number two, sorry, but this clashes with another family invitation. It was 28.5. And then way low down. So sorry, I won't be around. And this clashes with another invitation are the absolute lion's share of the excuses. But right down to 8%. Sorry, but my partner and I have plans and we don't have much time together. So date night. 6%. Sorry, but I have to work late. 5.5%. This is really, really, really niche. And I presume it only works if people don't actually know you. I have a new puppy slash kitten and I can't leave them alone. 4.5%. Love this one, FYI. This person got the memo. This is life. Sorry, this sounds like fun, but I actually have to decline to avoid burnout this season. And 2.5%, which is the lowest percentage terms of excuses, which I thought would be totally up there. I've definitely used this one before, FYI. Sorry, but no one can babysit my child. So 2.5%. And um, I don't know why that one's not more popular, but anyway. So that's really interesting. So that gives you a snapshot into most people have a lot of social anxiety, um, worried about it costing too much money and being exhausted. But their excuses were much different. There was a huge disparity between reason and excuses. And actually, I wonder what it would sound like and what it would create in terms of an atmosphere. I think it would be very, very powerful and very good if people just said, I have social anxiety. I don't think I'm going to have much fun. I can't afford it. I would want to, but I'm really, really tired. Or actually, I'm embarrassed about my appearance. That one's so sad and you hope no one ever, ever feels like that. But that's the reality of that survey. So just wanted to give you some outside research and stats there to, you know, hearten you that you're not, that you're not alone. So the next hack that I want to give you is, so edit the Christmas timetable, say no to parties. No travel on Christmas. This might not be popular, but just be mindful of how much you're traveling about constantly on Christmases. If you live overseas, it's probably not to be avoided. But I just remember when the kiddies came along and saying to my husband, we're not here to schlep these kids around one hour here, one hour there. Like, we'll park ourselves somewhere. Like, there's something to be said for getting your best pajamas on, parking your butt somewhere, and spending the day somewhere. So, that was a boundary that I could control and I could employ. And thankfully, both sets of our families are actually a three, four minute drive away. But I just felt very strongly that I wasn't going to get the kids in and out of wellies all day getting them in the car getting them out the car and it was a nope we're not we're not traveling around that much the next hack that's totally changed things is give less wrap less spend less I give my baby nothing so I've never given the kids any Christmas presents until they're about three years old because they don't know they don't care it's an absolute waste of money and they get so much from grandparents anyway so when again I see people saying like what are you buying your baby think absolutely nothing because my baby doesn't know if it's New Year or New York and he needs nothing so give less I yeah I I try and give presents that are meaningful 
I don't give to a whole host loads of people but I do have a lot of nieces and nephews and I love to give but I don't just want to again fill their houses with stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff if you give less you wrap less you spend less and your anxiety is is lowered and I remember talking to someone about this as well about them feeling huge financial pressure of being a part of a family that where maybe really high earners and they weren't and feeling that they had to keep up with the Joneses if you like over Christmas and it was causing them a stress and they would save up for it all year in order to be able to afford their family at Christmas. I just thought that's so sad and if your family who love you had any inclination that you had to put money aside all year in order to keep up with those Joneses I'm certain they would be heartbroken so again never ever feel like you need to do that I just employ some honesty and if you feel that you are being expensed out like you are having to keep up financially with all the stuff that goes on in your family around Christmas maybe in, in your particular household you're there's a big earning disparity and people don't think twice about going for meals and everyone sharing the bill and it's costing you all a couple hundred pound or giving these elaborate big gifts in percentage terms what might be five percent of someone's you know monthly pay for that month could be 75 percent of someone else's and it just takes a little bit of honesty to stand back and say you know what this Christmas I will I will sit with you over a glass of wine or a coffee and I'll give you my time and I want to hear about everything that's going on in your life and you know, I will spend that time with you and I've seen something that I think you will love or I've made you something. But do not feel that you have to continue, you know, taking a mortgage just to stay in your family at Christmas. That is not the way things are meant to be. And I remember just being in that conversation and thinking, gosh, if that if that person could just be a bit more honest with, you know, the traditions and the people that uphold those traditions in the family and say hey we're in a financially different place than the rest of you then it would take a lot of resentment and burden out of out of Christmas so think less this is a good one this is something that again through my year of no I would just say I don't know whatever and the specifics around this are that I have two siblings who have wives and kids and my parents and my husband is one of five and they, um, for the most part, all have spouses and kiddies and everyone navigates in-laws and all the rest of it. And when the messages come out around about June, <laughs> prior to Christmas, of what are you doing on Christmas Day? I used to try and think, oh, I better, um, it was like playing a game of Candy Crush, right? If I go here and I go there and I did, and now I just say, yeah, cool, whatever. I don't overthink it. And when someone says, what are you doing in a year? I'm like, whatever. Like, I don't overthink it. I used to kind of get out my timetable, my Sharpies and say, well, if we go to my mum's at 12 and then, you know, we did this last year, so we'll do this next year. See now, I'm like, I see them all the time, whatever, think less. Husband can make the decisions. I'll go with the flow because actually there's a lot of mental load that comes at Christmas and it feels really, really good to say, don't know, you make the decision. You want to go there? Okay, we'll go there. Like, think less. Don't overthink it. Just chill. Cook less. This one doesn't apply to me because I don't like cooking. And thankfully, we have 
my sister-in-law and brother-in-law love cooking and we always spend Christmas dinner with them and it gives them joy. So that's a kind of caveat to this theory. But if you're like me and you hate cooking, don't. Nobody writes these rules. You don't have to have a turkey. You don't have to have all the trimmings. Get a Chinese takeaway. Like really, do you honestly, if you hate cooking, really think that your kids and your family are going to look back 10 years from now and say, Christmas Day was amazing because my mum was up to her elbows in fray liquid for three hours in the afternoon, cleaning up after us. She spent the night before getting stressed out. She spent far too much money on food. We all sat down, stuffed our faces for 10 minutes and then the clean up had to ensue. No, it's not the standout really, unless you're some, you know, absolute food lover. But if you are like me, don't really care less what you eat. You'd be happy sitting on your backside, stuffing your safest quality street. You certainly don't want to spend your your um, Christmas day doing dishes. Throw out the rule book. Who says you've got to eat turkey? Absolutely nobody. Make some sandwiches. Have a bowl of Frosties. I don't care. Just if cooking stresses you out, don't do it. Do something else. The next hack that you could employ to make this Christmas season go a bit smoothly is the whole reunion, let's catch up at Christmas thing. Again. Let's look back to number one. I think as Christians, we often feel that if we aren't at the beck and call of everyone and everyone that asks us to a coffee or wants to catch up, we have to go and spend that time and maybe you're not a very pastoral person, drop the guilt. You actually don't need to see that person every Christmas that drains the living daylights out of you that you knew 15 years ago. You can love them, you can wish them well, You can say, I want you to have the best life ever. But the reality is, if you dread having to go and sit in a cafe for a catch up with that one person every single year, when quite frankly, you'd rather watch paint dry, you don't need to do it. And if nobody has told you this yet today, hello, I'm here telling you this. You do not need to catch up with every Tom, Dick and Harry that's been part of your life for the last however many years that you sat next to one term in primary school but who suddenly wants to catch up every year and you've got nothing in common you don't need to do it you don't need to do it say no and the last one being go with the flow this links into think less just think less just go with the flow have more fun it's more peaceful i looked back on my people pleasing years (laughs) that's what they were my people pleasing era and I think, gosh, I spent so much time making micro decisions that didn't even need to be made. I absolutely believe in decision fatigue. And I read a book that really looked at the insight into decision fatigue. And it's a really fascinating book. And it says a lot about why Steve Jobs of this world and the Mark Zuckerbergs, they get up every single day and they put on the same trousers, jumper, they have a uniform. And what it means is they're not using up mental load, mental energy or their capacity to make decisions, their decision tokens, if you like, on something as, you know, unimportant as clothes. So I really now see my decision making capacity as like a pie chart in my head. And for every decision, everything that I have to make a decision on during the day, that takes away a piece of the pie, which means by later in the day, when I do need to be making some decisions or thinking quick, my capacity for doing so is being decreased. So with all that being said, I lay my clothes out the night before and 
I just don't overthink about things. So when I walk into a shop now and I want a chocolate bar, I literally grab the first one I see. If I want a sandwich, I take the first decent one that I see. If I want a coffee, I just go up and order like the first decent coffee I see, like an Americano with milk, that'll do. I no longer waste decision-making processes and brain power on stuff that doesn't really push the needle forward in my life. And when it comes to Christmas and my year of no, I realised that there were so many micro-decisions through the day that seemed insignificant but over time compounded to give me decision-making fatigue that I could just let go. For example, what coats you wear to church? I don't know, choose one. What lunch do you want? Just anything that looks nice. Just go with the flow and stuff. It's more peaceful. You don't have to be someone that makes all the micro-decisions about the minutia of Christmas. Just don't do it. Hand over to someone else. And the very last one, I know I said earlier on this was the last one, but I realise now this is the very last one. And the thing that has given me the most joy back around Christmas is that I no longer see it as one day. I don't buy into this whole, it's Christmas. Three Mondays from now, you better be ready. Christmas creep. I decided to take Christmas month. So on December the 1st, we wake up and I say to the kids, it's Christmas. And yes, Jesus was only born on one day. Yes, I know that the three wise men, like there was a time period and there was a moment in time when the Messiah was born. However, for the Christmas season, I do Christmas month. And this is amazing because it can stretch out and flatten out the stress curve. If you want to catch up with someone at Christmas, you can now say, sure, let's meet for a five minute walk (laughs) at some point over the next four weeks or maybe if you've employed some of my Christmas hacks you can say no it's not one of my priorities but just reclaim Christmas as the month when I was younger my brothers and I would wake up super early on Christmas morning and I remember it so well I remember like the pajamas I used to have I had bed like I remember my bed covers my brothers and I had bunk beds we'd be so excited the night before we'd go to, we'd to bed really really early and my dad would ring a bell and pretend that Santa was downstairs and that we'd better go to sleep or he wouldn't fill our stockings in the morning mum and dad would always say the same thing has he been has he been has he been and I still say this now 38 years old has he been but we'd get up full of excitement, we'd rush downstairs, we'd open presents, we'd eat delicious food. We did have to wait though. For some reason my parents seemed to think that 6am was not an acceptable time. So we did have to wait and we've always been a family that we got up, we got showered, put in a pretty dress, mum did a French pleat in my hair and we all got together and then we said, has he been? And we'd creep into the front room to see if he'd been. And as a kid, the waiting was really, really hard. I remember feeling like those two hours in the morning were just dragging on. But my dad wanted to, to record it and capture those memories. And we did, we probably did things quite organised, which actually I still do to a certain extent. We all go into the sitting room together on Christmas morning. But I desperately wanted Christmas morning to start. And I remember feeling that sometimes there was a frenzied anticipation as my two brothers and I waited not very patiently in the pre-Christmas dawn for what felt like hours and then when the sun came up it was Christmas morning we could go and get our parents out of their beds they'd say like happy Christmas and we'd go downstairs to see if we'd been and it reminded that whole waiting for the morning waiting for the Christmas moment for me as a kid because I didn't have anything else to do apart from open presents that moment of Christmas really was the stepping into the front room 
Whereas now, as I said, I see it more as a month to flatten out the stress curve. But I think about that waiting for the morning feeling as a kid. And the Bible tells us about a man who was looking forward to a particular moment in time, a particular morning with anticipation and excitement. And his name is Zechariah. He is the father of John the Baptist. There was something very special about the morning that Zechariah was anticipating. He was waiting for a sunrise, but not a sunrise in traditional terms. The sunrise that Zechariah was anticipating wasn't the start of a new day. It wasn't like me and my brothers waiting for the sun to rise. It was a person. Zechariah was a prophet. He gave us a, a prophecy. He said, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. And that is in Luke's Gospel 1, it's 76 to 79. But in this prophecy, Zechariah starts by speaking about his son, John. So he tells us that John the Baptist was born to fulfill a special role and to prepare the way for God to visit his people, to teach his people how they can be saved and to tell him that their sins can be forgiven because of God's mercy. Then Zechariah tells us that once the way is prepared for God to come, the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. So the sunrise that Zechariah looks forward to is a new morning in all its senses. He anticipates eagerly the coming of the promised Messiah, baby Jesus, the saviour of God's people. And we know that Jesus Christ is that sunrise that he was talking about. And as a child, I'd be waiting with anticipation with my brothers bouncing around our rooms for the sun to rise and Christmas day to come. But as an adult, I know that that sunrise is Jesus Christ. And that's why I want to encourage you to refocus on today as you reclaim a peaceful Christmas. You don't have to go to Tenerife to do this, by the way. As the Apostle John said of Jesus' arrival as a baby born in Bethlehem, he said the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus Christ is the dawn of a new day. He is the radiance of the sun dispelling the darkness of night. And when you scrape away all the things that can bring stress into Christmas in terms of, you know, feeling like your money has to stretch or saying yes to all things you don't want to go to or just the pressure on that day to be perfect. I just encourage you to just take all of that away and really as an adult focus your eyes on what the sunrise is what Jesus actually did at Christmas time and know that today he came into the world to end darkness and to bring light he came into a world to you know a world of suffering to bring hope don't we need that so much more you know, today than we ever have. He stepped into worlds of sickness to bring healing. He chose to live in a world polluted by sin to bring forgiveness to the guilty and honour to the shameful. 
This is the good news of the gospel. This is why we have Christmas. Society and culture will turn it into a frenzied day of people giving stuff to each other that they can't afford, that they maybe don't need. They And there's so much pressure on the day and it leaves a hook sticking out of us that I do think the enemy can grab onto and that is to get in with stress and worry and this feeling of perfectionism and pressure. But as Zechariah tells us, Jesus does not merely start a new day. He is the new day. So Christmas isn't the day Jesus was born. Jesus is the new day, the new era, the new season. He doesn't show us how we can dispel the darkness of the world. He is the light that casts out the darkness of the world. And if you're not a Christian, then you know, think about that going into this Christmas season. Jesus, through who he is and what he does, brings light into a world darkened by sin, evil and corruption. This is a fallen world we live in. When we look at what's happening all around us, it doesn't take a genius to recognise this world runs on evil powers and ego and sin and corruption. But Jesus came in as the antidote to that. And when you see Christmas as a whole month and not just that, you know, moment of the kids opening up their stockings, it's a month of stopping and remembering just what that new sunrise means, what that new day and that new season means and how that feeds in to us today as living, breathing human beings. And that is the antidote to turning around this season of what has maybe always historically felt hard and hurried and expensive and stressful and fighty into a season of pure and utter rest. So how can we celebrate Christmas the Christian way? (laughs) As the sun rises on December the 25th, so Christmas Day, let's not just celebrate a morning of presents. Whilst opening presents is lovely, you wouldn't be a human if you didn't enjoy getting a present enjoying food enjoying all the banter with your family maybe you're alone maybe this is going to be a stressful morning but choose to focus on Jesus we don't celebrate a day we celebrate Jesus Christ we celebrate him coming into the world as a little baby it meant that God himself had come to the world in human form and he brings forgiveness and freedom from sin and freedom from death because as Christians we actually believe that when we die we spend eternity with God with the creator of this universe Jesus himself said I am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life that's found in John 8 12 so with that mindset and with that revelation go into this Christmas entire season slowing down resting, saying no, employing some of these navigating Christmas hacks and just every time something threatens to steal your joy or give you anxiety or make you think oh I can't if I can afford that or I'm going to be so tired if I go to that party just stop, centre yourself and think about what is happening at Christmas and that is recognition and celebrating that Jesus, the Messiah, entered the world in order to give us hope, 
the option of hope, the option of eternal salvation for all those who choose to accept his free gift. And I hope this has been an enjoyable episode. I've got to go. But just wishing you a beautiful end of November, start of December, and I will chat to you next week. Hi, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. So if you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a review or even email me with anything you think I could do to make this podcast better. I'm totally open to hearing feedback and ideas. Every single week, I am emailing out a bit of an encouraging newsletter. These are going to change every week. Sometimes it's going to be thoughts that God has put in my heart. Sometimes it's going to just be maybe a series of funny stories or life hacks or things that I find helpful. Either way, it's a great way for us to connect and I would love to have you on the subscribers list. So make sure to do that. Have a lovely week praying for God's protection over you as you just go about your business and I'll see you again. Bye.